family. Can't live with them, can't live without them. You'd think that the Holy Family would have bliss. I mean, all three of them are saints, two of them never sinned. You would think that life would be perfect in the Holy Family. But in the story that we hear today, we see that it was just as much of a struggle for them to learn how to be a family as it is for us. That I find it always interesting when the Gospels take the time to map out what the emotions are of the characters involved in the story, because they don't do it very often. But today, with Mary and Joseph losing Jesus, it says that at first they were astonished at what Jesus had decided to do. Then that they were anxious about having lost him. And then when he told them the reason why he did what he did, they didn't understand. How much is that like you parenting your children? Astonished at what they choose to do. Anxious about their well-being and not understanding why they choose to do what they do. That family life is challenging because every one of us in a family is different. Now I think where we put more strain on family life is when we overemphasize the idea of rights within a family. Rights to be a parent. Rights for the children. Because rights have to do with what is owed to me. And when we start to think and emphasize what is owed to me in a family, that I am owed my children's respect. I am owed my husband's hard work and dedication then that has the great temptation of causing great division. When we think of what is owed between us, family is intended to be seen as gift for a Christian. That your spouse is a gift. That if God blesses you with the ability to have children, your children are a gift. That your siblings are a gift. And to let go of the need for rights. Because when we think about gift, it changes everything of how we are together. Hannah, in our first reading, sees her son Samuel as a gift. She's longing for a son. She prays and pleads to God for a son. And she receives a son. Now, we would think that the first reaction of a mother who's longed for a son and finally has been able to conceive and bear a son would be to hold that child tight and never let him go. But what's Hannah's reaction? She immediately brings him to the temple and says, Lord, thank you. He belongs to you. Mary will later do the same thing with Jesus, being, having the great gift of being the mother of God and yet what she does is brings Jesus to the temple and says, Lord, he belongs to you. The acknowledgement of gift changes everything. Sometimes I'll tell parents preparing their children for baptism that as Christians, it changes the way that we parent children. Why? Because when we see our children as a gift from God, which is what we're doing when we bring them for baptism, saying, Lord, they belong first to you and not to me. 
What we're saying is that it's not our hopes and dreams for them that we're trying to help them achieve. But what we're saying is that it's God's hopes and dreams for them that we're trying to allow them to see and to grow into. And so when we are in that struggle of trying to figure out how to grow as a family together, we're not pointing back to ourselves, but we're continually pointing to God as the answer, as the one who has the best hopes and dreams. That comes from remembering that family is gift, which is not an easy thing to do. Because when I hear confessions of little children, they're always talking about not being obedient to mom and dad and fighting with their brothers and sisters. Because it's not easy to live in a family. Because everyone is different. I always console the kids, well, your mom and dad got to choose to be married, but you didn't choose your parents and you didn't choose your siblings. You're just stuck with them. But we have to remember that it's a gift. When God decided to become man, he chose to be born of a family. That wasn't necessary for God to reveal himself in that way. But he chose. Now with that difficulty of continually remembering that our family is gift, how do we strive for that? Well, Jesus tells us in the gospel, after this interaction with Mary and Joseph where they were astonished and anxious and lacked understanding, what does the gospel say? Jesus returned with them to Nazareth and was obedient to them. A word that's almost dirty to us, the idea of obedience. I'll never forget when I was preparing for ordination to the diaconate, somebody I know came up to me and said, listen, I've got a problem with this whole obedience thing you're going to promise. Because if I knew before I divorced my husband that I had to be obedient to him when I married him, I never would have got married to him in the first place. And I kept my mouth shut because what I really wanted to say was, well, you know, you kind of were supposed to be. Obedience safeguards the gift. Obedience is essential in our Christian life because it guards the gift. One of the other options for the second reading that we have for this feast day is that famous passage from Ephesians. Wives, be subject to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church. Obedience, one to the other. But what is obedience but wanting that gift to be grown in the other person? being obedient to the responsibilities and the promises that you have made to that other person. Children to be obedient to their parents because their parents are intended to want the best for them. And they make decisions based on wanting the best for them. But here's one too. Parents to be obedient to their children. How do parents be obedient to their children? Not obedient to their demands but obedient to their needs, obedient to their good, being obedient amongst siblings. How do we be obedient amongst siblings? Well, obedient to that respect, 
obedient to the good that you desire for them, and not allowing the struggles and the difficulties of being in relationship with each other to dictate how that relationship goes. Obedience always brings us back to the greatest good. Jesus was the Son of God, but yet he willingly became obedient to Mary and Joseph because of his desire for their good and the way that they were obedient to him as his mother and foster father. Obedience allows that idea of gift to remain because to be obedient means to acknowledge that what I want isn't the most important. And the moment we can begin to do that, we move away from that need to hold on to rights, what is owed to me, and to move towards gift. That my spouse is a gift. That my children are a gift. That my siblings are a gift. It changes. Because then, when we remember that each one of us is a gift in our family, it allows us more clearly to all turn to God. Because where does the gift come from? It comes from God. What we hear in St. John's letter today is that we are all children of God. What we will be, we do not know. But what we do know is that when it all comes to be, we will be like him. We don't know the outcome of our life as a family. But a gift is never known. A gift is simply offered. We don't know what the gift is first. We receive it. And we treasure it, as we hear Mary did. Mary treasured all these things in her heart. She received that gift. Even when she was astonished, when she was anxious, and when she lacked understanding of the gift that she received. So in our families, do we see each other as gift? Whether that's siblings, spouses, children, parents, are they a gift? Even all, in all their imperfection and failures. Because when we see them as gift, willingly become obedient to serving that gift, it brings us together, that unity, the model of the Holy Family. Just because all three were saints didn't mean that everything went smooth. Because we are different, there will always be differences. But differences doesn't eliminate love. In obedience, we remember the gift of our families. Mm -hmm.